Welcome to the fourth installment of the Viking Athletics Podcast, Skull Sessions. In this month's episode, it's January 2020, it's the first podcast of the new year. Uh, number one, I don't have my usual headphones or microphone, currently malfunctioning. So just using my phone, if audio is off, I apologize. We make do with what we got. In this month's episode, we're going to be chatting about the Intramural Open, which is coming up at Viking Athletics in February. And to understand the Intramural Open, we have to understand the CrossFit Games Open. To understand that, we have to go through a history of the CrossFit Games. And linked to all that is going to be Dave Castro, who is the former director of the CrossFit Games, the founder of the CrossFit Games, and who was recently fired from CrossFit Home Office earlier this month. And there's been a lot of gossip about it and speculation about it. So I want to give my speculation, my thoughts, and more or less cover how that's going to affect us. But we'll get there when we get there. To start, I'm changing it up from beer this month, and uh, we're going to scotch. So usually I'm a fan of Highland Scotches, single malt. Uh, this one, however, is an Isla Scotch. It was a gift from one of our members. Thank you, Catherine. This is Bunahabin. Hopefully I said that right. I'm not Scottish. And unlike most Isla Scotches, which are very peaty, this has very pleasant chocolatey notes, and I'm actually a huge fan. I had never heard of this distillery before, and I am very pleasantly surpri surprised. It's quite delicious. Skull. All right. So let's dive in. We've got a lot to unpack. First off, what is the CrossFit Games Open? So to kick things off, we have to go back to the early 2000s. CrossFit was originally established in 2000 by Greg Glassman and his then wife, Laura Janai. And they launched their website in 2001. It was CrossFit.com. It was open source, so anybody could log in any day and see that workout of the day. They would then log into the leaderboard, or it was really just a forum uh, comments on the website where people would log their scores. And it was designed so that anybody could do it. As CrossFit grew in 2003, they established the CrossFit Journal. Uh, I think in 2003 was when the first affiliate was also established, and that was in Washington. I think by 2005, which was when I got involved with the main site CrossFit, I think there were only like uh, just over 10 affiliates at that point, I believe. Um, so it's grown exponentially through the years, and one of the original tenets of CrossFit was this idea that men will die for points. So by putting a workout against a clock and having a score, whether it's total reps or your time of the day, it lent itself towards competition amongst members. And for better or for worse, that competitive element is still there. For a lot of people, it gives you that extra drive. And if you're trying to beat somebody next to you, it's going to allow you to push hopefully a little bit harder. Um, and hopefully you do that safely. So the idea that 
people would die for points lent itself towards the first CrossFit competition, which was actually a backyard barbecue at Dave Castro's family ranch in Aromas, California. Uh, so in 2007, there was the first games. There was no qualifier. You just, a bunch of people showed up and did it. Uh, and if you watch any of the video footage of it, you'd see people on beer breaks in between the workouts. It was three workouts. Um, and, you know, the, the games have grown from there. Every year it's been something different. In 2008, it was a repeat. It was another backyard barbecue, but it was by invitation. In 2009, the games had grown, still at the ranch. So athletes had to qualify. They had regionals. Each region of the country had a qualifier, and I believe it was the top three in each region that made it to the games. So that was first established in 2009. In 2010, they went a step further and they had sectionals, which was an even smaller localized competition. If you finish well in sectionals, you qualified for regionals on a separate weekend. And then from regionals, you would go to the games. So in 2010, that was the first time it was a three-step process to qualify for the CrossFit Games. As the sport gained popularity in 2011, they exported it worldwide and created the CrossFit Games Open. So what is it? Over a period of weeks, there's a workout released each week. You do that workout according to the pres uh, prescribed standards. You submit your score online. And in 2011, the, I forget how many, what the cutoff was, but it was the top people in each region, how they finished in the open qualified them for regionals. And then regionals again qualified them for the games. So the open was initially a qualifier and it was easier to do because once again, it followed the open source model of CrossFit and it allowed people all across the globe to do it. And it had it grew from year to year to year. I think 2018 was the biggest one in history. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so the original open in 2011 was six workouts. So it ran for six weeks. And that was the only year of the Open that I have not participated in. Uh, so I'm not 100% familiar with it, but I do believe there was an error in some way, shape, or form that caused them to add a sixth week, and it was originally supposed to be five. Uh, in 2012, they did shorten it to five workouts, and initially there was only the RX division, and then a Masters 55 and older division. So the Masters division has existed from its inception. And what they did was actually kind of brilliant. Um, when Dave Castro programmed the early open mods, a lot of them were very easily accessible in terms of movements. It was something that a lot of people could do. And then when they wanted to introduce more complicated movements, more skill-based movements, such as double unders or muscle ups, the way that the workout was set up, you had to complete an initial stage and then get to that piece and then get to the more complicated piece. So uh, 20, I think it was 2012. I want to say it was 2012 that they introduced this workout. It was 150 wall balls. You had the work capacity to do that. Then you moved on to 90 double unders. And if you were skilled enough to get through the 90 double unders, you then got to move on to 30 ring muscle ups. 
So it was very, very clearly segmented and it did a great job of separating people based on skill levels. So those were the kinds of workouts that served to delineate your everyday average Joe from your elite competitors. And it worked very, very well. So well that they actually repeated that workout the next year. In 2015, they did away with the separators for the most part because they introduced the scaled division. So that was the first time they allowed athletes to choose a scaled versus an RX division and the masters always existed. But in the scaled division, it was typically easier gymnastics movements or lighter weights, but you were still bound by hitting a full depth squat and all your squatting movements. And if you had any mobility restrictions whatsoever, it was very, it was still very difficult to participate and be held to the correct standard. So from 2015 until 2018, that's how the games or the open rather continued. And then at the end of 2018, they announced they were doing away with regionals. So instead they transitioned in 2019 to having what they called sanctionals. So all around the country, they had originally what were known as CrossFit competitions. And then we'll get to this whole mess later on. Uh, CrossFit HQ came out after an incident at one of them and said, we didn't sanction this event. Therefore, it is not a CrossFit event. It is a functional fitness competition. So there were numerous functional fitness competitions around the country. The OC Throwdown out in California was a big one. Wadapalooza, which actually just happened again this past weekend, was a big one. And there were these big get-togethers uh, all around the country that top-tier athletes would go to and compete in. So what HQ wound up doing was reaching out to these competitions and working with the staff that runs them to sanction them. They became known as sanctionals. And the way that you qualify in 2019 was you had to do, a lot of them used the Open as a qualifier. So if you won the Open, you automatically made it into the games. Uh, if you won the Open for your country, if you were the top contender in your country, uh, you would go to the games. If you did well enough, that would qualify you for some of the sanctionals. Some of them also use their own online qualifier and the open in no way tied into them. Uh, and then if you won, I think it was top three at any of the sanctioned events, that also gave you a spot at the games. So in 2019, that changed. In 2020, they tried to change it even further to support the calendar year and make it more of a professional sport. So, you know, the Open usually ran in the last week of February through March, and then you would have the games in July, August. So it was a small window of time. What sanctionals, what they sought to do with the Open and sanctionals is they, in 2020, moved the Open into October. So the 2020 CrossFit Games Open was actually in October of 2019. And it was supposed to use October to qualify for any of the sanctional events that happened over the winter into the early spring of 2020. And that basically gave the athletes a much longer time period to qualify for the 2020 games. It was not well received. Too many changes all at once. And obviously in 2020, for those that have been following, that was when 
Greg Glassman stepped down as CEO due to his comments about the whole George Floyd situation, which we don't need to get into yet. Um, we're not going to delve into Greg Glassman, really. Um, but in 2021, under the new leadership, it reverted back to having the Open in March. And in 2021, they switched it to a three-week Open, which I think is perfect. And that is what they are continuing with this year. So in 2022, the Open starts the last week of February. It runs through the first two weeks of March. So that is the Open. That is the history of the Open and the CrossFit Games. Um, how does that affect us at the gym? Well, the vast majority of our members are not looking to compete in CrossFit competitions. However, I do believe there is tremendous value in competing. Again, it gives you that little extra push. And then what we've discovered over the years with the CrossFit Open is there are numerous people that achieve things that they never thought they could do. So I can't tell you how many members we've had get their very first pull-up during the Open. Or, you know, they're so filled with adrenaline they actually successfully execute a muscle-up for the first time. Or they do their first workout with double-unders and they've been afraid to try it in a regular class and they decide, what the heck, I want to try to earn some points for my team. Uh, and they do it and they surprise themselves or they lift heavier weights in a workout than they ever thought. There's numerous firsts and milestones that we see achieved during the Open. And that is huge. And I love seeing that. So that is a big driver for why we actually do the Open workouts the day after they're released. They're released on a Thursday. We do them that Friday in class. Um, and what we do to kind of make things a little bit more fun is we divide the gym up into teams. So in years past, we've had four teams and each team had a captain. And what we would do is the captains would meet. We have a CrossFit, a competitive CrossFit team. And so those athletes would be drafted by the captains along with coaches. Um, the coaches would be drafted as well. And then the remainder of the membership would be uh, recruited by these captains. And the captains would try to go and solicit members. And it was a great way for members to meet each other. And, you know, captains, you know, if it was somebody that worked out in the evenings, they are now reaching out to the mornings and going out of their way to meet new people. And it was great for bringing the community together. Uh, so the camaraderie was huge. We would do Friday night lights, which means that starting at 5 p.m. on Friday, we stopped having regular classes and everybody could show up and we would just run the workout in heats. You would sign up for a time to do it. And then the rest of the gym and everybody who's there is just cheering everybody on. And it was great. Even if they're not on your team, you're cheering them on. The support is huge. It was great for the community. Uh, frequently, these turned into little parties like we would have tables over on the turf area where people are bringing in food and cakes and sometimes we had uh, each team kind of develop a theme because we would give out points for team spirit as well and it's just phenomenal for driving the community in numerous different senses not just in supporting athletes but in meeting people that you might not meet because they don't go to your class. Um, so that was the goal of Friday Night Lights. And then obviously in 2021, we kind of brought back the intramural open. We divided people into teams, but nobody really bought in, largely because we couldn't have these community events. We were still 
forced to distance and mask and everything else. And we didn't want to contribute to the risk of spreading COVID. So we didn't have any community events. We're planning to bring it back this year. We're going to have Friday night lights. Instead of doing four teams, we're only doing three. Each team is going to have co-captains and I should be sending that email out in the next day or two, announcing the captains to everybody. And uh, instead of drafting and then trying to recruit, which can be a pain for the captains since all of our captains this year are inexperienced at running the open, uh, we're trying to make their lives easy. So instead, I'm going to divide up the gym randomly, and I will only tweak things if I happen to see a team that is incredibly stacked. If all of our competitors end up on one team, we may tweak it. And I say may because we're also changing our scoring system. In years past, we wanted to reward participation, first of all. So athletes that participated in the Open would or that completed the workout, I should say, earned points. The first year we did it, athletes that signed up through CrossFit HQ to do the Open also got a bonus. Uh, so HQ creates a worldwide leaderboard, and if you sign up through CrossFit.com, it's $20. You sign up for our affiliate. We are affiliated through CrossFit under CrossFit Relentless. Again, we are Viking Athletics. CrossFit Relentless is one piece of what we do, and it is under the umbrella. That is our affiliate name. So you can find us on the game's website. And if you sign up for that and you record your scores through that, you can compare your scores to other people of you in your age group and gender category uh, worldwide. So we have a number of people that are interested and they want to see how they stack up against other people worldwide. So they log in and register for that. It is by no means a necessity. You do not need to do that if you don't want to. If you want to save 20 bucks, that's fine. Um, we do an in-house leaderboard for our Open. And I don't really care how many of our athletes do worldwide. That is for your own edification to see how you do. Uh, so I will be dividing the teams up. And in years past for scoring... In addition to completing the workout, we one year, like I said, you get points for signing up online. Uh, we gave out podium points. So the top three finishers in each division would get points for their team. And we followed every single age division that CrossFit had. So once you get to 35, was, uh, we had youth. Then we had what they called the open division which was 18 to 34. And then you had master's divisions in five-year increments. And for each of those divisions, you'd have them for men and women, and then you would have scaled and rx on top of that. That's a lot of divisions, and a lot of our captains would try to be strategic when they were drafting their teams. So, you know, if we knew that we only had two people in the 50 to 55 age range for men that were going to do rx by default, they're on the podium. So if I recruited them on my team, just by having them do the workout, I'm earning participation points for my team and podium points. Got very, very involved in the scoring. Uh, it was royal pain. And then in 2021, they introduced a new division, which I thought was fantastic, which is called uh, Foundations. So you're no longer 
stuck doing the same standards as RX or scale. If I physically can't squat all the way down below parallel, I can do foundations and I can squat as low as I am able and I still get credit for doing that workout. Uh, so I thought that was fantastic, but once again, it now added a third division for every gender and every age group. So I'm not dealing with that this year. Uh, I think it will simplify the scoring greatly. Again, if you're not recruiting your own team, it makes life easier for you that you don't have to deal with it. And so what we are doing is we are just going to score youth 18 to 55, or I should say 18 to 54, and then 55 plus masters, the original divisions that CrossFit established back in 2011 when they established the Open. We will do that for men and women, and we will do that for RX, scaled, and foundations. So in that sense, there's a lot fewer podium points to be earned, and it really doesn't matter if all of our competitors are stacked on one team or not. But we'll see. I'll make that decision when we come to it. Um, we've also awarded points in the past for team spirit. So each team in the past would come up with a funny name. Uh, I don't even know if I can remember all of them off the top of my head, but year one, we had Barbells and Beer, Hustle for the Muscle, Just the Kip, and Flex Appeal. Year two, we had Chalk Dirty to Me, Booty and the Beast, Heart and Swole. Don't know why I'm blanking on the fourth. Um, 2020, again, that happened in 2019, so we didn't do the intramural open that year because two in a year was too much. And then last year was rebuilding year and nobody really got behind it. So teams didn't really have team names. So we're going to have fun with it this year. Uh, and you know, it's up to the teams to come up with names that they like. The team captains ultimately have the authority to decide on the final team name. And hopefully you guys come up with some team t-shirts and just make a good time out of it. It really is a blast. And it's one of the things that I love about CrossFit. So it should be good. Now onto Dave Castro. So I've mentioned that he was the director of the games and the games started in his family's ranch in Aromas, California. Uh, early in January, he was fired from his position as CrossFit Games Director, and there has been a tremendous outpouring of support on his behalf from high-level competitors. Um, everybody's thanking him for all the hard work that he's done, and he's been involved in the community for a very, very long time. So Dave Castro was one of the first practitioners of CrossFit when Greg Glassman established CrossFit, uh, special Forces operators were frequently amongst the first that adopted it. And, you know, numerous offshoots have started. You got SEAL Fit, but they liked the idea of functional fitness. It applied a lot more to their line of work than just sitting on a machine doing isolation exercises. Uh, so Dave Castro was not only a Navy SEAL, he was a Navy SEAL instructor. And he was heavily involved once CrossFit was established. Um, he worked a lot with the CrossFit Level 1 staff. He was a flow master, which means he was the one conducting a lot of Level 1s. Uh, he later went and evaluated Level 1 
Flowmasters and staff to make sure that they adhered to CrossFit HQ standards for how an, L an L1 should run. Uh, and he's just been involved in a lot of facets of the business. So he grew the CrossFit Games from Backyard Barbecue in 2007 to what it is now where it is televised worldwide. Uh, you know, in 2011, that was when CrossFit signed a sponsor, a partnership rather, with Reebok. And that was when a lot of money came into the sport and it first got aired on ESPN. So he did all that. He was a showman. He showed, you know, he, if you've ever just sat and watched people exercise, it can be very boring. He was the one that helped change the format. So you might have different bars set up or the athlete has to progress across the floor. So if you're watching it on TV, you have a very visual representation uh, of where they are in the workout. It made it a lot more appealing to spectators to watch. So as I said, there's been a tremendous outpouring of support amongst athletes for how much he gave to it and how much he cared about the athletes. Um, my favorite reaction that I had when I broke the news to one of the classes, I said Dave Castro was fired. And one of the members in our class goes, who? And, you know, CrossFit is a community, not only within the affiliate, but also worldwide. So the reason I like that reaction is because it showed that this person was very invested in our own local community. And it also shows that whatever staffing decisions HQ makes, it's really not going to affect us in the gym. So how is Dave Castro's firing going to affect what we do on a day-to-day -day basis? It's not. It is going to change how people look at the games. He was the one that did all of the open announcements. He would give these, I'm not even going to call them hints. If you looked at his Instagram account, he would tease what the workout is supposed to be, but nobody could ever guess the hints. It kept the engagement up, it kept the incitement, uh, the excitement up. And he did a great job with that. So nobody can ever downplay what he has done for the sport of CrossFit. Um, my issues with him over the years also stem with kind uh, they stem from the way that HQ kind of presented themselves. And I've gotten a little bit more insight by listening to some of the people that are in the higher levels of CrossFit right now, the home office. Uh, my main issues were that as much as he cared about the athletes, uh, it seemed like he didn't take, I don't want to say he didn't care about the affiliates, but there were definitely times where he didn't take things, he wouldn't take things into consideration. Uh, and it seemed like he didn't care about the affiliates. So for example, um, if you have ever run an affiliate, you know that your most classes are an hour long and you have to fit everything into that hour. In our case, it's usually strength, uh, warm up strength and conditioning. A lot of gyms just do an extended warm up and then the conditioning. So when we do the open in classes, we like to run two heats. Um, because your reps are judged during the open. That was another piece I missed. Um, another reason we do the open is having your reps judged ensures accountability and it just changes the way you might approach the workout. We all get lazy sometimes and it's like, did I hit the wall on that target for my wall or did I hit the target with my wall ball? No. Nope. Oh, well. And you count it anyway. 
you don't do that in the open and it's very good to be held to standards every now and again. Um, so we run the open in heats and you have somebody judge you. And when you're trying to run a 20 minute AMRAP twice in an hour with setup in between and with time for the first athlete to recover so they can actually judge the second person, uh, it's easy to see how you can run over an hour in that class, you know, Maybe what are you going to do for a warm up? You're warming up in a hurry, and then you got two 20 minute workouts to run. And uh, logistically, it just seemed like he didn't consider that. Uh, same with he had one of the 20 minute AMRAPs actually was with overhead walking lunges with a barbell. So you're holding the bar overhead and you got to do walking lunges. Uh, barbell, can't believe I'm blanking on this. I think it's seven feet, men's bar. And a lot of gyms at the time were still very small. You're talking 1,500 to 2,500 square feet, and you got equipment all the way around. If I'm trying to walk 20 feet, at most I'm going to be able to fit maybe four athletes. So what happens in a big class? You're running out of space. And once again, it showed a lack of consideration for those athletes. Um, one year... I'm trying to remember which year it was. It might've been 2016. Uh, they introduced the dumbbell into the open and it was right after Greg Glassman wrote an article about how the dumbbell is the most underutilized training tool. And so they decided to introduce dumbbells and it forced a lot of CrossFit affiliates to go out and buy a lot more equipment in order to accommodate this workout. Uh, so once again, you're forcing something on the affiliates if they want to participate you're forcing them to spend money in order to be a part of this without a whole lot of advance notice it made things very challenging. Um, so those were my issues as an affiliate owner. And then as a coach, my issues have been just the way he's programmed certain things over time. People have gotten seriously hurt, which injuries happen, but you know, when you program high rep box jumps and you have 10 Achilles tears during the open, and then you do it again the next year, the opens more widespread and the number of torn Achilles increases, you're not going to want to program those anymore. And he kept programming high rep box jumps. They've finally been replaced by other movements, but for the longest time, that was a staple. You're just seeing people do upwards of 80 to hundred box jumps in a workout and people are just tearing their Achilles. At the higher level, you had regionals one year where I don't have a problem with ring dips as a movement, but they were programmed, I think on day two. And on day one, they had heavy snatches, they had muscle ups and a bunch of other very taxing movements on the shoulders. And I think across all regionals, there were 27 men and I don't know, a handful of women that tore their pecs on the ring dips. And, you know, that particular workout was not considered in the context of everything else that was going on that weekend. And that's why there were so many injuries. Um, Murph, the first time that was programmed in the CrossFit Games, it was done in the middle of the day and the rig had been sitting in the sun. And not only did athletes rip their hands, their hands had second degree burns. Like we're talking whole palm torn off. And there were athletes with heat exhaustion. And my issue with all that is that there's just a general lack of accountability. 
It was never, we screwed up, we can do better for our athletes. It was just silence and it was, well, I guess they're not fit enough. And it kind of goes back to Castro's mentality as a SEAL, which is the only easy day was yesterday. And if it doesn't break you, then you're fit enough for it. You know, when you go to basic underwater demolition SEAL school, it's got a very low graduation rate. They're trying to weed people out that aren't mentally tough enough to suffer through this. Um, but this is CrossFit the sport. This is not SEAL training. And there are ways to test people without trying to break them. So that was my issue was I always got the sense that they didn't differentiate between that. And if they did, there was never an acknowledgement of things going wrong. They never said that's on us. So another example was a popular fundraiser back in the day it was called fight gone bad. It's still a benchmark workout. Famous story behind it, but I've given enough CrossFit history and stories and I don't need to get into that. The point is it was a fundraiser and the partner with CrossFit that wound up running it, wound up filing a trademark infringement against CrossFit for using the name and CrossFit kind of got screwed in that sense. They had to come up with a new fundraiser and they came up with one called CrossFit for Hope. Great cause, similar workout. And the first marketing tool was a poster and it was of a sexy looking cartoon nurse in high heels pulling a wagon that was filled with, you know, a kid on an IV, like another guy was a, another kid was a very clearly a chemotherapy patient. And these are kids that are made to look exaggerated, like they're sick and they're dying and they're kind of hanging out of the wagon. And it's just in very poor taste. It's like, why would you, why would you think to show this? Why would you think that's a good idea? Um, you know, it's the point where my gym at the time, we wouldn't even hang up the poster. It was in that poor taste. Uh, and once again, there was no acknowledgement from HQ that they had done wrong. So I think a big reason that Dave Castro was fired, um, I can speculate, again, this is pure speculation. I can speculate about other things, um, you know, but I think what it ultimately comes down to and what the CEO said was that they're trying to take a team approach moving forward. He didn't really share what the vision was, uh, but if you've been following CrossFit for a long time, uh, as I have, I've, like I said, I got involved in 2005, it has definitely evolved. And, you know, there's generally five stages of a new product. You have the innovators, which are the first people that actually create it. You have the early adopters, which in our case was people doing this off the main site. Uh, people doing it in garage gyms and people that really liked that counterculture idea where, hey, we're hardcore. I mean, you can go back to the early days of CrossFit Relentless even, uh, which was founded in 2009. And I would argue that the early adopter phase um, was probably from about 2003 to about 2010. CrossFit Relentless originally had chalk buckets and then another bucket next to it labeled puke. And, you know, it was kind of a joke, but it was, hey, we're going to push you so hard you're going to throw up. And it was a badge of honor. I used to tear my hands and be like, oh, look how hardcore I am. I got bloody shins. I got torn hands. Um, Pukey the Clown was the mascot for CrossFit. 
And then you had Uncle Rabdo, who was another clown hooked up to a dialysis machine, which was kind of a joke. Um, blood, sweat, and tears were common. It had this really dingy idea like, hey, we're working out in a dank, dirty space. We're not using these pristine machines. Uh, and that was the idea. And, you know, then once Reebok got involved in 2011, now things get polished a little bit more. And I would argue that that was when the next phase started. So you have innovators, early adopters, early majority. Uh, and that, again, Jim's moved away from the really dirty, dingy kind of environment. And now you're expected to have better equipment and better, cleaner space. And, you know, that made sense because that was right around the time that you had Rogue Fitness springing up. You had, again, Faster, and you had all these equipment suppliers that came in and established their businesses kind of around CrossFit. I mean, Rogue's grown into powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman. They sponsor everything these days. But initially, they were an equipment supplier for CrossFit. And... When you have these businesses supporting CrossFit, you need to have a higher level of cleanliness and sanitation. And you start moving away from that mindset of we're going to beat the crap out of people and see who's left standing. Uh, and you started to see that in the early 2010s uh, because that's when people started training like games athletes and they started getting hurt. So CrossFit had to move away from that kind of mentality and I'll share a personal story. Um, you know, I came from that hardcore mentality. And when I became a coach, uh, I got certified in 2010. I started running my own classes in 2011. Uh, and my very first coaching evaluation was not good. Um, you know, I was always gung-ho. I'd be the one yelling at people. I would lead all the warm-up runs. I'd throw in some extra stuff that we weren't doing, and I'd be like, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be awesome, raw. And then I had a very eye-opening experience with my first evaluation because what I got in the comments was, tries to intimidate rather than run an enjoyable class. And I wasn't trying to intimidate anyone. I was trying to draw out that hardcore attitude because our clientele at that point seemed to me to be a little bit softer. Um, and that's when I realized the sports evolved, you know, people are coming to this for different reasons. They're not gung ho exercisers looking for something new. These are people that maybe haven't been exercising their whole life and they're just getting to it now and you need a different approach for them. Uh, and I would argue that that phase kind of ended in probably 2017, 2018, the early majority. And now we're in what I'd call the late majority phase where you're again, seeing more people come to CrossFit that are looking for changes in their health and wellness, and they don't have that experience in exercise. So the product needs to evolve in order to account for that change in demographic. And if you look at our gym, I mean, obviously we have our competitors program, but look at our weightlifters. The vast majority of our weightlifters are masters athletes. Uh, the oldest member in our gym is 65. Our average age is right around 40. We don't have, we're no longer really catering to 20 year olds looking for the next thing. Um, you know, former competitive athletes looking for a new outlet. 
we are trying to change people's lifestyles. And right before Greg Glassman stepped down as CEO, even if you looked at their daily emails and their workout of the day, they would frequently show a video of how you could do this workout at home. It was famously called the couch. It was like a blue couch with stripes on it. And the workouts were frequently done with water jugs and other things. And they were trying to show the older population, senior citizens, that you can do this at home and that CrossFit is for anybody. So that's when that shift really started. And uh, Eric Rosa, the new CEO, is really trying to keep pushing that forward. Um, so it's evolved. And I would argue that, again, I'm making this speculation based off of comments that Dave Castro made right before the end. He talked about this open as it's going to be painful. And, you know, to me, that kind of shows that he's still stuck in that old mentality of I'm going to beat these people down. And that's not where the sport is anymore. Um, it's evolved. So the culture evolved and he did not. And the other thing about the evolution of the culture is more that um, I was listening to Two Brain Podcast a little while ago. And one of the first things that the new CEO did was try to focus on affiliates by establishing a team. So he brought in Gary Gaines, who is a longtime CrossFitter. It's actually funny. He was, uh, I want to say COO. He was a very high-level executive for SoulCycle. <laughs> but he was still doing CrossFit at that time. And they were very well aware of it. Um, he brought him in to manage uh, affiliates worldwide. And the, I should say the affiliate support team worldwide. They're not managing individual affiliates, but they're trying to be there for affiliates and give resources to affiliates to help them grow their businesses. And uh, one of his subordinates is uh, Daniel Chaffee, who is the Euro head of Europe and the European affiliates. And Daniel's known Greg Glassman for a long time and refused to speak ill of him. But what he did say was that under the old leadership, you know, um, Greg was almost like a cultish figure. There were, he, nobody dared to challenge him most of the time. He was basically surrounded by yes men and the culture was never challenged. It was never changed. There were no projects to be worked on. It was just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Uh, the new culture, obviously they have the new team and each team is given milestones, metrics, and things to look at. And these metrics evolve based on their support of the community. And there's much, much more accountability. Um, and that's what I said was lacking in the first place. If you're surrounded by yes men all the time, you're never going to get negative feedback. And who would you be accountable to anyway? Um, you know, I've had some problems with what HQ is trying to do. My biggest, one, my biggest issue with what they were trying to do, there were two things. Number one, they introduced an online on-ramp. And the idea was that people could do the on-ramp at home and then they would be prepared for CrossFit when they go in. And, you know, their thought process was we're going to expose the masses and we're going to try to take that step away from affiliates to drive more members. The reality was instead of driving more members, it actually detracted from revenue because gyms that have on-ramp programs like ours if you get somebody trying to come in, they're less willing to go through your on-ramp, which, if it's run correctly, also generates revenue. Um, and 
instead they were undercutting affiliates and their revenue there. So they immediately took down the on-ramp after beta testing and said, we realized this didn't work. We wanted to put it out there to help you. We're sorry it didn't work out. Uh, and now they're kind of running into that with CrossFit Precision Care, which is kind of habit-based coaching, which I think about 18% of affiliates offer right now through nutritional coaching. And once again, it's now HQ marketing something directly to affiliate members, and they're essentially bypassing the affiliate itself. And as an affiliate owner that offers this kind of coaching, it's you know, basically now establishing another competitor. They are undercutting the affiliates. And they fully admitted, not something we took into consideration. We did not realize that this many affiliates offered it. And so they are working to remedy the situation. So there's a whole new culture of accountability. And I think that's the corporate influence in CrossFit that didn't exist before. And the product, again, where it's evolved to lends itself to that sort of oversight. It's important. And I don't think Dave transitioned with that. Um, that's the sense I got anyway. He was the end-all be-all as the director of the games and was not accountable to anybody. And as I've mentioned, every time something went wrong during competition, uh, people got hurt. There was never any ownership of it. And I think the best example of that was during the OC throwdown. I don't remember the year. Um, a terrible accident. High-level athlete named Kevin Ogar missed a snatch behind him. Bar bounced off a stack of bumper plates, hit him in the back, and paralyzed him from the waist down. And the community support for him was overwhelming. Uh, he's still an adaptive athlete to this day. There's tremendous videos of him doing rope climbs in a wheelchair. He's not let it slow him down. But CrossFit's response, that was when they came out and said, we didn't sanction this event. This is not a CrossFit competition. Instead of saying, you know, this is something that can go wrong and we are terribly sorry for Kevin Ogar and, you know, we can do better. We will work with our local comps to make sure that proper safety protocols are in place or something like that. They just showed no accountability. And uh, it's evolved beyond that. And my sense that I get is that Dave didn't mesh well with that. And then, you know, on top of that, it's not uncommon for new business owners to come in and take out the entire old management team. That happens in business all the time. As for the timing of it, in corporate America, you don't fire people over the holidays. So right after the holidays kind of makes sense. So um, anyway, the culture has changed a lot in the now 17 years that I've been involved in CrossFit and uh, I'm excited for where it's heading. But at the end of the day, what HQ does really doesn't affect us on an affiliate level. We run things the way that we always have. We are running the intramural open this year with three teams. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing people achieve huge milestones in their own fitness. Uh, and I hope you guys get excited about it too. So that's all I have on the subject. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and finish my scotch here. Skull. Mm. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next month.